0: Yesterday, we we celebrated the uh, feast day of St. Benedict, and it is really hard to overestimate how important this saint is. You You could say, without overdoing it, that Benedict and his followers down through the generations saved civilization. Benedict lived at a time when the world seemed to be falling apart. The western half of the Roman Empire was collapsing, the end of the 5th century, and with it, the political and economic stability that had been the norm for many centuries. And in the midst of all this chaos, this young man from a Roman noble family hears a call to go live in the remote hills outside of Rome, uh, to go live the life of a hermit, one dedicated intensely to prayer uh, and to manual labor. And in time, others follow him. He begins to found these small monasteries, including Monte Cassino, which is, which is still around. And he writes the rule of Saint Benedict, this um, document which outlines the, the basic rules of monastic life. It, it's been a document that has guided the Benedictine order for 1,500 years and been the template for many religious orders. But how can a monk Uh, even a really holy one like St. Benedict, how could he and his followers save civilization? Well, these monasteries, they not only preserved the Catholic faith when the world around them was falling apart, but they preserved education and learning and culture. But even more important than saving civilization, and don't get me wrong, that was really important, they saved countless souls. Uh, They formed numerous saints. You know, Benedict is... A great example of what Christ is talking about in the parable of the sower, of the rich soil that permits God's grace, his word, to root itself in one's soul so that it sprouts and bears abundant fruit. I mean, we are still benefiting from Benedict's uh, fidelity today, 1500 years later. Benedict is this great example of the rich soil, but the... the parable the sower is given because Christ is shedding light on the obstacles that most of us put between God's grace and ourselves. You know, most of us aren't a Saint Benedict. Most of us, we place something between us and God, and this parable is given to shine a light on some of those obstacles that we put there. So there are four types of soil which stand for four different Uh, um types of listeners of the word if you will we've already talked about the last one the rich soil the first three talk about these various obstacles so the first two the seed sown on the path and the seed sown on rocky soil these are people who to one degree or another simply reject christ so the seed sown on rocky soil christ says this is one who hears the word without understanding it and the evil one comes and steals away what is sown in the heart You can think of the prideful person who dismisses the Christ and his gospel and his church without really giving it a hearing. You know, this person who's decided to to plant his flag in the popular philosophies of the day and, and isn't going to give a serious hearing to Christianity. The second one, the seed sown on rocky ground. Jesus says this is somebody who at once hears the word, and receives it with joy, but he has no root, and lasts only for a time. When tribulation and persecution comes, because of the word, he immediately falls away. So the rocky ground in this parable, this would be like a thin layer of soil that masks uh, rocks and stones underneath. So to the eye, it's the outward appearances, it might look like decent soil, but whatever you plant there, it can't take deep roots. It can't really put down roots at all. It's it's, it appears to be decent su- soil, but it's superficial. It lacks depth. And so those represented by the rocky soil are those who, maybe they practice the faith when it's convenient or easy, but as soon as it's not convenient or easy, forget about it. Uh, they, they, they have placed some obstacle there which prevents the grace and word of God from taking root in their soul. But the third type of soil, the seed sown among, so- uh, among thorns, I would venture to say this is, this is the most common one, especially uh, among practicing Catholics, practicing Christians. Jesus explains that the seed sown among, so, among thorns, I don't know why I'm having trouble saying thorns, <laughs> is the one who hears the word, but then worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke it, choke the word, and it bears no fruit. All right, so this is somebody who honestly Allows the, the grace of God received it first in baptism, uh, received in prayer in the sacraments. Allows this grace of God to take root in his or her heart and soul. Yet the danger is that thorns have also been allowed to grow in the same heart and soul. And the thorns stand for two things: the anxieties of the world and the lure of riches. You know, these are two obstacles that Jesus talks about at length earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, in, in Matthew 6, during the Sermon on the Mount. In regard to the anxieties of the world, Christ says, Look at the birds of the sky. They do not sow or reap. They, do not, they gather nothing into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single moment to your lifespan? And he goes on from there. It's a long passage where he's talking about the need to trust in God's providence. You know, when we're talking about anxiety, uh, I think the, the first thing that needs to be said is, is this is not Christ is not talking about what we would today call an anxiety disorder. That is something that requires typically requires a medical or therapeutic intervention. You no. Know, and, he, and he's not even talking about a legitimate concern. OK, so, for instance, I should be legitimately concerned to pay my taxes on Wednesday. Right. Um, you know, I should be legitimately concerned that I'm paying my mortgage every month. You know, that's a legitimate concern. What, what I think he's talking about here is needless worry. When we allow a legitimate concern, the fear uh, surrounding a legitimate concern, to begin to dominate our thoughts and feelings. When we begin to ruminate on something that's really not in our control and, and allowing it to run wild in our mind, in our heart, in our soul. What's so bad about that? Well, it, it takes our focus off, off um what our true purpose is in life. But I think the biggest problem is it hampers us from trusting in God. If we want to grow in holiness, if we want to become the saints we're created to be, we must trust in God. And it's something we need to grow in. In this needless worry, it, it acts as if God was aloof right when we needlessly worry we are implicitly not trusting in god so we need when we're struggling with this what's the solution we need to make an act of trust in god i know that's easier said than done but when we catch ourselves needlessly worrying we need to say jesus i trust in you take a a second and make an act of trust in god also we have the lure of riches and so christ talks about this in chapter 6 as well, and he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up, treasure, uh, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And then he says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The danger of the lure of riches is that we can take the good things of this earth and treat them as if they were our ultimate treasure, when in reality, only God Only heaven is that treasure that we seek. All right, so we we have these obstacles, these common obstacles, that can prevent us from allowing God's grace, his word, to take root in our heart and soul, to sprout and bear fruit. Well, what's the solution? How can we become that rich soil that St. Benedict was such a great example of? And I would say this, what I kept coming back to when I was reflecting on this was Benedict's rule. You know, if we're going to undertake a serious project, we would be fools to undertake that project without coming up with a plan of attack. All right? And the spiritual life is no different. Benedict realized that our purpose in life is pretty simple— our purpose is to come to know, love, and serve God with all our heart, mind, and soul to become saints. But even though it's simple, it's not easy. And so he set out a rule for how he could prefer nothing to the love of whatsoever to the love of Christ. He set out a, a, a spiritual plan of attack, if you will. And we need to do the same. Now, it doesn't mean we need to all follow the rule of Benedict. No, I'm not saying that at all. That's written for monks. But we ought to have some spiritual plan of attack, game plan, rule of life, whatever, we wanna, whatever you want to call it. And what, what's involved in that? Well, I would say at the, at the bare minimum, there would be three practices that we need to have adopted habitually, regularly. Um, so, for instance, daily prayer. We all need to take time each day for prayer. You know, maybe it's 20 minutes of reflecting on the gospel for the day. Maybe it's praying a rosary, but we all need to have this set time where we are praying when we are in conversation with God every day. Then we need to frequent the sacraments. And I know in in, in normal circumstances, I would probably just leave it at that, but uh, in these times we do need to be prudent about um, going out in, in crowds. But when it's prudent and safe, uh, we need to frequent the sacraments. The sacraments are these fonts of grace, right? Uh, that, that, that where we, by, we receive the forgiveness of our sins, where we are slowly and steadily transformed into the saints God created us to be. And then, you know, we could go from there. We could talk about the need for spiritual reading, right? For reading good Catholic books, help form our intellect from reading the scriptures, knowing the word of God. We can go from there. But we all need to have a spiritual plan of attack for our spiritual life why what's the how's that going to help us become rich soil well think of think of our soul like a garden any garden needs to be frequently weeded right if you had thorns in a garden you would want to take those out as well right but the difference between a garden and our soul is this a garden never gets to decide if it's going to allow a gardener to come and weed it, take out its thorns, um, do work on it. But we have a free will. We have a free will. And we can choose to allow God to come in and pull up the weeds and thorns of our hearts and souls. We can choose to allow him to do that or not. And when we commit to pray daily, when we frequent the sacraments, we are giving him that permission to enter into the garden of our heart and souls to transform our soil from rocky soil from the path from the thorns into the rich soil that can bear abundant fruit so let's pray that we allow god to transform our hearts and souls so that he can transform the world through us just as he did with saint benedict just as he's done with all the saints down through the ages